The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Hi, good evening and uh, good afternoon. Welcome back to Leadership Matters. I'm your host for today, Jenny Furma, and I bring you greetings from Elbert Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach. We are a multi-service agency, social service agency, serving people of all ages during challenging times of their lives. And co-hosting today with me is John Gianetta. And John, welcome to the show and uh, greetings from Heartland. Yes, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here again, Jenny. And John is the CEO of Heartland Family Services out of Omaha in Nebraska. We have a great show for you this evening. I want to introduce our guests. Um, Karen Copening. Karen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jenny. I'm pleased to be joining you this evening. We're really excited that you'll be talking with us this evening about um, <laughs> fundraising development being everybody's job. And I think that's so important as a topic. And let me just tell you a little bit about Karen. Karen is currently the Chief Development Officer here for us at the Elbert Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach, and we also have a residential program. Um, Karen, you've really helped us establish and oversee our agency's fundraising efforts and coordinate public relations, and prior to joining us, you have served as Associate Campaign Director for um, a very large soliciting organization called the Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County and have, you know, a lot of experience um, in terms of your work as a social worker, um, managing different kinds of grants, and you have your social work degree from Rutgers University and the New York University School of Social Work. Um, and I really want to welcome you. You were also the leadership, a member of selected member leader for Leadership Palm Beach, class of 2012. So welcome. Thank you. And Neil Newstein, welcome to you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. We're really pleased you're joining us. And Neil, you are the CEO of Elpert Jewish Family and Children's Service and have been in that position for many, many years. So we really appreciate your being here with us today. So just to kick it off, I've kind of given a little bit of background, Karen, um, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit more as we delve into the topic of development being everybody's business. And I know that as nonprofits and particularly human service organizations, we are challenged more and more to raise funds to kind of supplement those contracts and grants that we have either with the state or other entities. And so 
I think there are still a number of organizations that do not have a dedicated, quote, fundraiser within their organization. So maybe you could just kind of start out talking a little bit about the difference between if there is development and fundraising and then kind of what your experience has been, a little bit more about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would, first of all, um, definitely differentiate between fundraising and development. Um, I see fundraising as um, simply the act of raising money, um, and, and it's a discrete task. Development, for me implies more of a process over time where you are working to, you know, get people interested, um, to then engage them, um, and to give over time. And, and development also, in my mind, includes aspects of marketing and communication, too. It's not simply just getting the money. It's really an inclusive process. Um, and, I, and I like to say they call it development for a reason because it's really about something that grows. Um, in terms of my own experience, um, I, I think in reflecting back on my own career, um, I would like people to understand that I don't think that development is really rocket science. Um, and that anybody who is able to listen to people and speak intelligently about the work that they're doing can probably learn how to do development work. Um, I started my career as a clinical social worker, and I had various jobs in nonprofit management along the way in, in various fields like developmental disabilities, AIDS, and eventually in Jewish communal work. Um, and it wasn't that I decided that I wanted to do fundraising. It kind of chose me because there was a need, Jenny, as you point out. Many organizations have a need to be doing some, some development work. Um, and it was just something that I had to come by because it was necessary. And when you... Um, think of yourself. Do you think of yourself as a fundraiser or do you think of yourself as a developer or something else? You know, I do think of myself as a fundraiser um, probably more because when you, you're you asked by people what you do, um, you know, if you say fundraiser, they have some, some kind of a, a connection to that. I'm not sure that everybody understands the inside language of development or resource development, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I guess at this point in time, yes, I do think of myself as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And um, Neil, as the CEO, what kinds of um, development or specifically fundraising activities does the organization do? It engages in quite a number of different kinds of activities, really anything and everything that's productive and appropriate for an organization like us to do. So that includes major events, small house parties, uh, mailings, um, sale of, solicitation and sale of cars, and most importantly, individual solicitations. Did you say sell cars? Yeah, um, people will donate cars to us. 
and we sell and condos as well. Mm-hmm. We turn around and sell them to benefit the organization. Mm-hmm. John, with Heartland Family Services, are you doing similar kinds of activities? Yeah, you know, it's that typical uh, sort of broad array of things, you know, trying to identify, you know, it's, uh, it's just a, d- a number of different ways for people to engage. It's sort of like I, th- I think I think of donating the same way I think of learning. There's different ways people learn. There's different ways people want to give. So trying to make sure to provide those different ways so that that wide array of potential donors out there has something that they can engage with. I think... John mentioned the most important word, and that's engagement. Mm-hmm. In what way, Neil? Well, in order to get people to donate, you need to really engage them in the organization. They have to feel like they're part of it, that they have a mission, they share the mission and the vision of the organization, and that they want to support it not only with their money but with their efforts. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, do you think and that I, ha- I, I, I was I, just going to ask. I was just going to ask um, Neil and. Um, do you think that that's changing at all? Like, do you think people in the past who gave felt as um, interested in knowing the details about what you're doing, or and it was more about just sort of their, it was their responsibility as a as a community trustee to give, um, or do you think it's it's always been that way that they people really want to know how does this work, what are you doing, and and really wanting to be more engaged in what's actually happening? Well, I think that. The role of the United Way and the Jewish Federations and um, the other faith-based solicitation organizations really took that role from people. So um, many people gave through those organizations and let the uh, allocating organization engage with the charity. But that's changing. People want to direct access to the charity now. So do you think it's moved from, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's moved from designated giving through some clearinghouse type organization directly to organizations? Correct. Yeah, I I had something else to say about engagement, and that is that I think the issue of engagement is even more important when you're looking to have somebody increase their giving. There may be times where somebody comes into, you know, an entry point to an organization with a very small gift um, for some other reason than they're being engaged. Uh, You know, they saw an advertisement or it was somebody's birthday or, you know, any of a variety of different reasons. But what we do see is to get people to up the ante and to give more, especially when you come to major gifts, engagement is really significant at that point. If you want to move somebody along the continuum... Hmm. And how they do you how do you move them? How do you move them? Yeah, how do how do you do that? What are the ways to to do that? Well, I mean, there are so many different ways to engage people. You really, you know, that that's where the social work training is very important because you you have to meet people where they are. So it's a matter of determining what people are interested in. Um, it's almost like matchmaking. Um, to find out what they're interested in and to plug them into something that you're doing that they can relate to um, and engage them somehow through volunteer work, through helping with fundraising, through um, consultation, participation on committees, um, you know, kind of whatever floats their boat. It's kind of why a lot of us still have large boards 
because it's a way of engaging people who can make a significant difference. That's my experience too, Neil. I'm sorry, John? I said that's my experience too, even though I hear people say all the time, oh, because we have 30 people on our board and I'll hear people say, oh, that's such a big board. It should be smaller and I think, but it's such a great way to engage people in the agency. And people want that kind of involvement. Yeah, and I, I think donors today, you know, we, we were all kind of alluding to that before, um, are really very interested in, in, you know, seeing where the money is going and what's, what's behind the curtain. Um, so it, it really is important to have that opportunity for some people who want to, you know, who want to roll up their sleeves and, you know, make sure that their investment is being um, stewarded properly. So by being on the board, they ultimately really get to know the agency more intimately. Um, I, during the summer, did a kind of survey, if you will, of some of our donors, just really trying to understand what it is about them that they are willing to give to an organization, a nonprofit like Jewish Family Service. And usually it was awareness of need and also professionalism, and then the third one was credibility. And the reason they really liked to give to us as opposed to, you know, another organization or through another organization was the piece you were talking about, Karen, and that is that they um, really like to feel that they know where their money is going to and that they feel that it's being used well as, as part of that. Um, one of the things that I want to make sure that we talk about is culture. And so we're going to take a short break and come right back. Um, you're listening to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. And we'll just take a break and be back. Thank you. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, this is Jenny, your host for today. Um, we've really been looking and, and kind of thinking about development and fundraising, and our guests today are Karen Kopening and also Neil Newstein from Elbert Jewish Family and Children's Service, and co-hosting with me today is John Janetta. We're all from non-profit social service organizations who really provide a, 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 an array of services to people of all ages. And one of the things that we've been talking about is how we as, as nonprofits are over the last, you know, decade or so as human service organizations, unlike universities that are nonprofits or other um, institutions, medical institutions, for example, are really having to raise more and more money to enhance or really support the other dollars that we get from contracts and grants to provide the services that we do. And as a multi-social service organization with so many different programs, maybe, Karen, you can kind of lead us into some thoughts about how we engage people within the organization and the board to really take on this uh, responsibility of development and fundraising as everyone's business. Well, it's it's funny that you say um, this being everybody's business because that's sort of my mantra. Um, when You've taught we... me well. <laughs> yeah, and and really, um, we start from the beginning with anybody who's getting an orientation to the organization, um, where you know the fund or the development department is part of the orientation process, um, and I tell everybody. Development is everybody's business. They usually look at me like I'm a little odd when I say that because they don't understand it. Um, but I suggest to everybody that we all need to be a part of growing the organization and that 
what everybody does in the organization ultimately does have an impact on the the ability of the agency to raise fund, funds. Um, they may not see it immediately, but when they, you know, do something in their job and there is a donor involved, I try to point out to them what role they're playing in that process. It may be that a donor is visiting their program or it may be they're answering a phone call about a fiscal question. Um, and and people eventually do do see that they're a part of that process. Or they may have an idea to uh, showcase a particular program and the kind of donor that might be interested. Exactly, and I, I think it's very important for people on the ground, um, you know, the, the the people in the trenches, so to speak, um, to be looking for opportunities like that, um, you know, because they know best what what program issues are are out there, and and they bump into all kinds of people in the community as well. So, um, you know, they can, you know, if they're if they're sensitized. Um, to the need to do that, they can frequently identify really important connections. Mm-hmm. John, in terms of, of developing culture within your organization, what are some of the ways that you've been successful doing that? Well, I think it's very similar to some of the things that, uh, Karen, you mentioned, you know, um, as part of the just um, employee orientation right off the bat, um, talking about that cultural philanthropy that we desire to have and how, you know, there's so many ways that we can have positive impact on our stakeholders um, to engage with our agency. So whether it's when we're taking people on tours to um, um, engage with them and um, share information and be positive and all those sorts of things that we know people would probably do anyway, but to just hear it expressed from a different perspective other than, you know, most of our staff are used to thinking about it from the client perspective or the family perspective, but to think about it from this other perspective as well, to think about people in their network that could um, contribute or want to engage with our agency and to share those opportunities to volunteer uh, when we have events, and our our staff are great about doing that. Um, so, you know, just there's just, again, just like with other donors, there's a myriad way for our employees to engage um, within that culture of philanthropy. Thanking people, seven different ways, you know, as we always say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things about um, Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Service in particular um, that is really helpful in fostering that cultural uh, philanthropy is that we don't work in silos. Um, from the outset of my, um, you know, beginning the department here, I've been a part of, you know, various meetings where most of the the conversation is about the service that we provide. Uh, so, so you know, my my perspective is very much colored by the service that that goes on in the organization, and it also allows my colleagues to. Um, you know, understand what my role is, you know, related to their role. Um, and it helps tremendously in the building of the very important relationships between the development professionals and the service delivery people, um, which is not automatic in my mind. You know, I've seen too many times where, as, you know, Jenny, you referred to sometimes how development people are off in their own office and, you know, they do their own thing. Um, that's really not functional 
Um, and it's really important for, for, you know, the development people to be among the rest of the staff and communicating with them on a regular basis so that when you need something, you have a donor coming into town or whatever, um, it's much easier to, you know, get that kind of cooperation. And I also think, based on what both you and John are saying, is how um, being able to introduce a potential donor to a program director or to attend something that isn't very confidential, and so you're not really breaching confidentiality, but some type of event, and having the staff person right there, the donor feels that much closer to the program as opposed to being in the development office talking about a program. And the staff person feels pretty good about the contact too. So it almost creates kind of a win-win situation. Absolutely. Yeah, really, it makes everybody happy and makes everybody feel good about it. Um, which leads to more, you know, more pride in being part of the development process. Um, it's been really gratifying to see a lot of the social, you know, the social workers in this organization really embracing um, more and more development because they get such, you know, good feedback from from having participated, and they understand that development is everybody's business. In fact. Um, I have to laugh occasionally. I will hear one of the social workers, you know, refer to that. Um, and, and when they do that, we know that the message has gotten through, that it's part of the culture um, of what, what any really successful nonprofit needs to do. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always that way. No. <laughs> no, it's been, you know, it's been an interesting process. There were times where... Um, it, it, it almost felt, I, I, I think, on the part of some of the social service providing people that there was uh, maybe some competition for what the agency was about. Um, and I always have to remind people that fundraising is not why we're here. Development is not why we are in this organization. This organization is here to serve people. Development is simply a tool um, for allowing that to happen. It's, it's kind of like the grease that, that makes the machine work. But it's interesting and problematic when you have to increase your development staff for the long term while maintaining or cutting um, other staff. So that presents a interesting dilemma. And hard can, you, to can you talk more about that, Neil? Well, if you, the development staff you know, produces resources for the rest of the agency. And in a tight time, you can be in a position where you know that if you hire another development person, it's going to result in increased income. But in the meantime, in order to do that, you have to either cut or, or just maintain current staffing in other areas. And the staff can be resentful of that and, and not understand that the long-term health of the organization and their benefit is... Uh, enhanced by doing it. So from from staff's perspective, it might feel, if I'm hearing you correctly, that, again, you know, it's all about administration and it's less about the direct service piece of an organization. But a three-to-one or four-to-one return on the expenses in the development department ultimately is best for the whole organization. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine it really helps to have a culture where uh, 
the development piece is really very intertwined with all that's happening throughout the organization at any level so that it doesn't have that kind of myth or that um, sense of, you know, what's happening behind those closed doors. Communication is really important. Transparency is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think of one of the ways that that has really, for me, just thinking about it even objectively come to light is the fundraising video that we do every year, Karen, that you've spearheaded and done such a great job with, and that is to really go to um, program directors and people who are fabulous professionals who are doing the direct service and saying, is there a client for whom telling their story would be a, you know, cathartic experience, an appropriate experience for that individual? Can you talk more about that for us? Well, yeah, and and I think, um, you know, I, I, I hadn't, put this together until just now, but I, I think you're very right that having participated in that process has been very helpful in, in making a culture shift on the part of the social workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go to them, um, which which was only possible because I had developed relationships with mm-hmm. all of them, um, it, it involves my getting up and getting away from my desk and going to speak with one of my mm-hmm. colleagues to say, here's a project I'm trying to work on. I want the world to understand what you do every day. Yeah. And, and we're, I'm going to interrupt you at that point, but hold your thought. We're going to need to take a break, and we will be right back with Leadership Matters. Don't go away. the boardroom to you voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, welcome back. I'm your host today, Jenny Fuma. I'm doing the show today with my co-host, John Janetta, and we have two wonderful guests, Karen Copening, who is the Chief Development Officer, and Neil Neustein, the CEO of Elbert Jewish Family and Children's Service. And we've really been talking about and just ended up the last segment talking about um, how we build a culture where uh, all employees throughout the organization really do understand that fundraising is everyone's business. And we were talking about actually specifically a DVD, which is used for fundraising. And, Karen, we left the last segment with you saying that um, having a project, a development project, and going out, uh, and I mean this respectfully, into the trenches, if you will, to really engage with uh, the folks who are actually doing the work and can really tell the story about the programs was very helpful in changing some of the culture. Yes, I, I, I think that what happens as a result, um, the the worker takes extreme pride in um, having her program showcased um, and participating in the process and working with the uh, the clients who are the um, storytellers for us. Um, and it's really been a wonderful way to engage them in the process um, in a way that feels really natural for them. Mm-hmm. They're just bringing together people that they care about in their programs and and um, sometimes speaking themselves about what they do every day. And I I think before doing that, um, you know, because the nature of the work is sometimes so private, it would be hard for them to reveal to, to the world what they do all the time. You know, people come into a building like Jewish Family Service, they see a bunch of closed doors. And if you ask the worker, what do you do, they can describe a process, but it's very different when you can, you know, open that door and allow people to see what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really been wonderful, I think, for for the social workers to be able to participate in that. They seem to really enjoy it and, and look forward to it. Mm-hmm. John, um, what about Heartland Family Service? Do you do... A DVD or some kind of uh, production, if you will, that that showcases some of your services. Yeah, we um, we do about every year. We um, will uh, create another. In fact, we're in the process of creating one um, now for next year. Um, and usually, we in the past we've always highlighted maybe three different programs, and um, and then sort of integrated those client stories with more general information about the agency. But I think this year we're going to try something different, um, and maybe highlight a couple of clients who have used two or three different programs, and instead try to uh, focus on the fact that we're a multi-service organization that has a continuum of care, and when those programs come together in unique ways to help clients, that's where we can have a real impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard story to tell, and um, so we'll see if we're able to do it better with this approach versus what we used to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has enhanced the culture of philanthropy, and are there other ways that you've 
that you believe that you've been able to enhance that culture? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Neil said it best. I think transparency is one of the best ways. Uh, you know, everyone tends to, we all are sort of guilty of this. We get hired to do a job and we, we get engaged with that and we sort of have our heads down and we're making those good things happen. And um, it it's um, easy to forget that there are all kinds of other things going on that we're a part of or need to be a part of. And I think the same applies with strategic planning or any, anything else that's important on a more global level. Um, but, to, you know, to be transparent, to call people's attention to it, to invite them into the process and to share specific ways that they can do that, I think are good. I remember early on, I've only been here for about four and a half years, I was going around meeting with all the employees and asking them questions to prepare the agency for strategic planning. So it was like a SWOT analysis. Mm-hmm. And I remember a social worker uh, at one of at our therapeutic school saying, you know, John, we social, uh, we social um, justice types aren't really all that interested in marketing and fundraising. I mean, we know it's important, but that's not what, that's what, that's not what's interesting to us. And I get that. Um, so it's really not about trying to have people fall in love with it. It's just having them to understand that in order to really do what we all love best, there are mm-hmm. some other things that we have to do that make that possible. Yeah. So what was your that. response to that person, John? Yeah. How did you respond to that person who said that? Well, I just said the same thing that I just said. You know, yeah. I said, you know, I, I get that. Um, I don't necessarily love budgeting or uh, strategic planning or any of these other things that we have to do, but we know that we're running a business here, and there are a lot of the ways, a lot of things that have to happen to make it possible for us to do what we love best. So I'm not asking anybody to be a fundraiser on a, you know, 80% of the time or 90% of the time, but to understand that we all contribute to that process, and it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Karen. You know, there, there's something I wanted to to relate about um, board members being um, less than enthusiastic about fundraising, um, because frequently they're in the same same kind of boat that that you were talking about, um, where they say oh, it's really kind of not my thing. You know, I'm not on the board because I, I don't want to fundraise. I have found um, that. What's, what can be really effective is to give them a job where you reframe it as something other than fundraising, even though it is fundraising, um, and engage them in something. For example, um, we started uh, not too long ago um, a process where, which we're calling Thankathon, where um, we are making phone calls to thank donors for their gifts in addition to the routine acknowledgments that they get in the mail. Board members are actually calling people to say thank you. And enjoying um, it. Loving it. They're having such a great time engaging with people. They're finding when they get on the phone with somebody and all they're doing is calling to say I want to call to say thank you. They find out all kinds of information about people. Um, you know, it's really wonderful. And that's pretty basic fundraising. But they don't think they're doing fundraising. It's wonderful you know what? I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a way to engage them in the process and they feel good mm-hmm. about it and they want to call it something else, that's okay. If that's what it takes to move them along and, and acculturate them to the process, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neil, what would you, I heard you in the background wanting to say something. Just that it's a wonderful board enhancement tool as well. It really brought people together, a lot of enthusiasm. It felt really good to people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we do the same thing, and it's yeah. great. 
uh, our board loves it. The new board members are a little bit nervous, and then after they've done it, they're sold. They're like, that was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's such a feel-good moment. But I think it's, um, you know, the, from a social work perspective, what I always like to tell people is, you know, um, people always tend to focus on asking somebody for money as it being some sort of an imposition that you're imposing. And, and I always try to flip it and say, no, you're really helping. Because people are looking for ways to invest their talent, their time, their treasure, um, and they want to invest it wisely. So when you can present an opportunity for them to do that, you're helping them, and they love that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask all three of you to think back to your first quote, ask. Uh, it was, I was nervous because I hadn't really fully understood the dynamics of how this works. And so I think I was still approaching it looking back from more of that imposition framework, like, gosh, I'm going to ask this person for this money, and maybe they don't want to do that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, but it went well. Uh, you know, they were, they liked the idea. They, um, it, it clicked with them, and they wanted to invest, and so they did. Mm-hmm. What about you, Neil? I had a similar experience. It's really nerve-wracking to ask somebody for money for the first time. Um, you know, you're not sure what, what the reaction is going to be. You're going to be rejected. They're going to get angry. But I had somebody in my office this morning and who hadn't gi- given us any money for any of our operating accounts and yet had been generous in other areas. And I found the same nervousness. Um, should I ask him? He's already done so much for the agency, but I did, and he uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. So, so, Karen, thinking back, what, was your first ask like but also can you talk a little a little bit about since then the kind of preparation that goes into an ask you know i i can't really remember the first time i asked somebody does for that money, mean you blocked it with you. pardon does that mean you blocked it no, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I vaguely remember, you know, the first time being involved in fundraising saying, oh, no, no, why are you asking me to do this? This is not something for me. You know, maybe bigger boys and girls do this job, but this is not for, for me. Um, you know, it, it was awkward. Um, those times, I don't remember specific situations, but I remember... Um, you know, feeling uncomfortable with it until somebody um, like John explained to me that what I was really doing was giving people an opportunity to do something wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to an investment, you know, I'm doing something that makes them feel really good um, and, and helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what kind, what so, kind of process do you go through or should someone who's going to be asking someone to support the organization financially, monetarily go through? What, what does that process look like, feel like, sound like? Well, I mean, the first thing is to know who you're talking to. Um, and, and, you know, even before you get to asking for something, there ought to be many conversations um, to explore where somebody's coming from um, at a certain point, um, depending on what you're asking from, you want to qualify somebody, uh, meaning you need to know, you know, what ballpark you ought to be exploring. Not everybody has the capacity to make a million-dollar gift, um, 
Or, or even a $5,000 gift. Right. So, so you have to have at least some kind of sense of where somebody is at. Not that you can ever totally understand. I know Neil um, tells a wonderful story about somebody um, who unexpectedly came in with a big gift. Isn't that right, Neil? Um, yeah, a little old lady, to be, um, not to be pejorative, came in from a local community called Century Village and wanted to talk about our Alzheimer's program. And uh, I thought she would give us a $25 check and uh, sat down with her and was listening to her. And she took out her small checkbook, personal checkbook, and started writing numbers, one zero 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 zero, And she ended up being a $500,000 donor. And if I'd better in the supermarket as I did after a few times after that, you would never have realized that she had that kind of capacity mm-hmm. or interest in our organization. Yeah. So time goes by really fast and so we're going to have to take another break now and we'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Matters. Don't go away because the last segment is going to be really exciting. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And welcome back to Leadership Matters. We're going to pick up right where we left off with Karen talking about the kind of preparation that goes into the ask. And just to put us back on point, Karen, you were talking about 
it really is important to know with whom you're going to be engaging to do the ask. True. So, so you need to know a lot about the person that you're asking, mm-hmm. uh, and you need to know, you know, something if you can um, about their, you know, ability to do what you're asking them to do. Um, the other really important thing is determining who should be the best person to do the ask. Sometimes that's the development professional. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's what we refer to as the natural partner. Maybe it's somebody they play golf with um, who's on your board or, uh, you know, there there's lots of different possibilities, but it's very important to figure out who the best person to do the ask is. Hmm. And then, of course, if we had more time, we could really get some ideas from you about how you even approach someone with, quote, the ask. Um, During this segment, I really would like to also make sure, Neil, that we get your uh, kind of last-minute thoughts, if you will, or any suggestions that you'd like to leave our listeners with. And the same with you, John. And then we're going to swing back and come back to you, Karen. Neil, any thoughts? A couple. Um, First of all, I think uh, Karen's right on target that you have to really know the person that you're asking. Remember that we sat down with a, a board member who was always interested in domestic abuse as an issue. But when we sat and listened to her quietly, it turned out she had a, a granddaughter with disabilities, and that really was her passion. And so the whole ask changed from one kind of subject to to another where her heart really was. You only get that by getting to know the person well and listening to what they have to say and having a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily pushing your agenda. Well, that's really important. Is mm-hmm. There has to be a meeting in the minds between the agency's overall mission and agenda, but the donors as well. And occasionally you have to say to a donor, you know, we don't have what you're interested in. This isn't your passion. Can we help you with something else or can we help you get somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Have you ever passed on on a donor who is so specific about what they want that it that it wouldn't fit into the organization? A couple of times. It doesn't happen very often because we're a pretty full service organization. Mm-hmm. But one one person wanted us to build a residence for domestic abuse women who've been abused, and while we provide services to that population, putting together a shelter was not really on on our cards. So we had to say we just can't do that. Mm-hmm. What about you, John? Any thoughts, any suggestions if if there is an organization that that is kind of starting out thinking about this or is well entrenched in development, but just things that you would want to point out? Yeah, I think it just goes back again to that having that strong culture of philanthropy because really any single person who walks through your door is a, is a, is a donor or could be. And, um, and so how you treat them and welcome them and invite them in makes all the difference in the world. I, I mean, our biggest donor right now is a woman whose husband walked into our north office because he had driven by it a million times and just always wondered, what do they do in there? And so he walked in. He honestly, the people there thought he was perhaps coming for homeless assistance. And when he asked to talk to somebody, the vice president who was, who, was state, who was in that office came and talked to him, and it turned out he wanted to make a donation. So he started off by 
um, writing a check to get a emergency medical program going where people needing life-saving prescriptions in but couldn't afford them could come and get that help. As it turned out, he was dying of cancer. And he ultimately did pass, and they endowed that fund to a great extent. And uh, most recently, um, his wife, who's been on our board now for nine years, gave us a, 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 a gift of property that was valued over a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So one never really knows is your point. You don't know. and um, But, again, because he was welcomed in, invited in, and then we delivered, uh, you know, it was a little donation turned into a larger donation and a larger one, and, um, you know, and uh, his wife now, I mean, she absolutely loves our, she's on a number of different boards, but ours, she just loves our agency. Mm-hmm. So being welcoming, and, and I, I think that the lesson there is, um, going back to where we kind of started, and Karen, I'm going to hand it over to you in a minute, is really that it is everyone's business from the, the, the person who holds the door open all the way through to, you know, the C-suite office and everyone in between, the person who answers the phone. Uh, anyone out in the community might meet a family member while visiting a skilled nursing facility. One just never knows. And just like we never really know who might be our clients, we may never know who could easily be a donor. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and I, I'd like to respond to something that John said mm-hmm. about, you know, being appreciative, uh, you know, of something smaller. Um, I really think it's critical to be as appreciative for the $5 gift as it is for the million-dollar gift because you never know, first of all, whether that $5 gift is just an entry point and an exploration and could lead something to big, to something bigger or if that $5 represents the most meaningful thing that somebody ever did in their life because they don't have a capacity to do more. I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to appreciate all of our donors. That is such a, such an important point and I appreciate you, um, being very specific about that, Karen. Neil, it sounded like you were wanting to chime in. Only to agree with Karen. Uh, you know, you treat everybody with respect, provide the best service you can, and comes back to pay dividends in terms of donations, but also in ge- general customer relations mm-hmm. and your status in the community. Yeah. I also think that we as as human service organizations have something to offer donors. So when they are engaged with us, we um, are able to uh, kind of inform them and help them gain greater awareness of the needs in the community. And so in their own way, whether we call them this or not, they become our ambassadors because they are, in, quote, invested, whether it's that $5 gift or more. And um, they're able to say to their friends and neighbors and families, members, uh, if you need help, I'm part of this organization, I give to this organization, and they may be able to actually help you. So we kind of, on the ground, really have something to offer donors. Um, Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Neil. That's really a unique um, advantage that the social service agencies have over the allocating bodies because we can provide a direct service we can help somebody with the problems they're having, whether they're a donor or not, but especially if they're a donor, it can uh, pay pay uh, dividends. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to change topics a little bit right now because each show we ask our guests, and so Karen, I'm going to start with you to uh, tell us about uh, someone historical, living, whatever. It could even be an animated figure, but <laughs> something, someone that you believe has demonstrated extraordinary leadership characteristics, and tell us why. Well, when I think of an extraordinary leader, I think of uh, a former colleague of mine, uh, a friend who unfortunately succumbed to uh, ALS not too long ago, Ricky Jacobs, um, who was a leader in the HIV and AIDS field in in New Jersey. Um, Ricky was a very courageous leader. woman with with a great deal of integrity um, she really made um, her her whole career um, uh, you know she she spoke um, for people who were voiceless women in prisons uh, intravenous drug users people with HIV um, and she had a very fearless and honest way about her um, that always you know, allowed her to um, be outspoken while still respectful uh, enough to do things that were really difficult. Um, you know, she was somebody who I would say, in addition to doing the right things, did what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if I may interrupt you, it sounds like um, someone with an authentic voice and someone who was always aware of. Um, needing to speak up. Exactly. And, yeah. and one other thing that, that always impressed me about her we leadership. We need to do this stuff, quickly. Sorry. Yeah. She, she rolled up her sleeves alongside you and did the hard mm-hmm. work. So she, she was sit a at her player. desk and say. Yeah. I really appreciate you paying tribute to her. And I want to thank you as a guest, Karen and Neil, as a guest for joining us. And John, you're always such a great co host. Please join us next week for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.